This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm David Hirsch, and when I'm not hosting the Dad to Dad podcast for the Special Fathers Network, which is a Dad to Dad mentoring program for fathers raising kids with special needs, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're all gathering around for this weekend's big championship bout on Showtime between Jason Rosario in the fight versus Jermel Charlo. And as part of the pageantry leading up to the big match, today we're talking to Jason Rosario's secret weapon, his peak performance coach, Mike Rosenfeld. Today, Mike's going to work with us on effective tools and strategies to achieve flow and do our best in whatever ring we're working in. Plus, how much whiskey would it take to buy a new home? Tune into our headline segment when we say cheers to an interesting strategy you might pour into your house fund. And finally, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline and break down a huge investing mistake made at the beginning of COVID that we hope to help you avoid. And of course, I'll share some of my adventure-themed trivia. And now, two guys who go small and settle all the time, Joe. And O-J-J-J-J-G. Let's do this. That's not starting small, Doug. What's up? Isn't the phrase second is just first place all over again? Is that the phrase? I think the phrase is second is the first loser. That's what my No Fear shirt said back in uh, 1989. <laughs> no Fear. Was that 1989? Feels more like 1995. That's a split hairs all right 93 then how's that 89 was like members only jackets i go 50 percent of the time 100 percent. or no i go 100 percent, 50 percent. it's like that uh from anchorman where he says 60 percent of the time it works all the time <laughs> that's us on this show 60% of the time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday, where the open sees you working about 60% of the time. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me in an early Wednesday morning episode, it's Mr. OG. It is flipping early. I was going to say, this is the, probably the first show that's actually like coming out at the exact same time it's, that we're recording it. it. Is, it as people are listening to it, we are making it, especially if you're up at the crack of dawn, or actually pre-dawn. And today's show is brought to you by Student Loan Hero. Are you ready to pay off your student loans? 
We thought so. Get your custom repayment plan today and see how you can lower interest rates, decrease monthly payments, and find forgiveness. Head to studentloanhero.com. We've got a great show today. We've got Mike Rosenfeld here. Big boxing match this weekend. Jason Rosario taking on Jermel Charlo. This will be the first time, maybe not just the first time for Stacking Benjamins to be part of the parade of pageantry leading up to a heavyweight title fight. But we are, we may be the first financial podcast to be part of the pageantry leading up to a heavyweight boxing title fight. Do we get a cut of the pay-per-view? I should have negotiated better. No, I should have. We talked to Mike's people. Can't wait to talk to Mike because obviously to play hard, never settle. You got to get in the ring. Great show. Mike Rosenfeld coming down to the basement. But first, we've got a couple, couple pretty big headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Bloomberg News. Federal Reserve last week, OG, Fed signals rates to remain near zero for at least three years. Bloomberg and others report. The Federal Reserve left interest. <clears throat> Puberty hits again right in the middle of my headline. That's what happens when you get up at 3.15 a.m. to record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, something happened. Let me get my coffee. This move to the West Coast. I haven't had my morning cigarette yet. Give me a break. Not been kind for a morning show. The Federal Reserve left interest rates near zero and signaled it would hold them there through at least 2023 to help the U.S. economy recover from the coronavirus pandemic. Federal Open Market Committee expects to maintain an accommodative stance of monetary policy, is the quote, until it achieves inflation averaging 2% over time. And longer-term inflation expectations remain well anchored at 2%, the central bank said in a statement Wednesday following a two-day policy meeting. Riddle me this. How do you print tons of money and not make inflation go up? Magic? Well, I think that they said that they, they want inflation to go up. Yeah. Over the short run. Yeah, they want it to happen. But let's talk about this. The reason that I think this is an important headline, whenever I see headlines like this, I think about people going, oh, I was going to refinance, but I got two years. I've got two years. Rates are going to stay low for two years. Oh, gee, I'll just do that later. Yeah. Well, first of all, while they're slightly tied to the Federal Reserve rate, mortgage rates and Federal Reserve aren't necessarily super parallel. You notice this earlier in the year when interest rates went down before the Fed Reserve went down. So there's still a chance that mortgage rates are going to kind of do their own thing. Plus, banks are going to also recognize that if they kind of draw a line in the sand together, which they're starting to do, then they don't have to lower their rates because they'll say, well, the biggest banks don't do it and we don't do it, then we don't have to do it and they don't do it. And we're all one big monopoly, even though we're not, you know. Wink, wink. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Nudge, nudge. Yeah. See you at the country club there, Bill. <laughs> All right. As long as you keep mortgage rates above three. All right, Johnny. No problem. Har, har, har. We can't control what banks do, I mean, which is another reason to do it right now. But the piece of this that just always bothers me when I see a headline like this is that I feel like if we can do something later, we will always do it later. 
don't get me wrong. I'm that guy. I am totally that. Oh, I can handle this tomorrow. Fantastic. Everybody's that. I mean, just look at the concept of going on vacation. So you're leaving for vacation Friday morning. How much work do you get done this week? Piles. I mean, you're you're the most productive human being on the face of the earth in the four days leading up to your vacation. But can you repeat that the four days you come back from vacation? Uh, no, because <laughs> you're like I can if if I just pretend on my calendar that every Friday I'm going on vacation. Yeah, yeah. You think you see through that? So I think after that a while? I think you're right. You need to take advantage of you know what's in front of you. Not to mention it's just a year or two or three of better interest rates. I think it's a great time to renegotiate your credit card interest rates. If you have any sort of other consumer debt whatsoever, you can call your credit card company and say, hey, I need a little help. Even if you don't need a little help, maybe you're making tons of money and you're just throwing throwing tons of money at your credit card bills. That's awesome. Call them anyway. Hey, I need a little help. Hook me up. Lower the rate. Give me some promo deal. Find those 0% transfers because they're around. Take advantage of the low rates because on the other side of it, you're getting hammered. You got your good if you're if you're doing awesome and you've got your cash reserve and that's fantastic and life is good. Guess what? Allies giving you a whopping 80 cents for every 100 bucks that you Bam. invest for a year. So don't spend all of that in one place, by the way. You know, maybe after an entire year of interest, which by the way is taxed as ordinary income. Thank you. Maybe then you can, uh, you know, go out to a nice dinner once every two years. (laughs) So you got to take advantage of what you can. Plus, frankly, listen, Powell says, hey, this is what we want to do. That doesn't mean he's actually going to do it. That doesn't mean the Federal Reserve Board's going to do that. We have an election coming up. The election sometimes changes the politics a little bit. Sometimes the politics like to change their own people. What if... He resigns. What if uh, Biden gets elected and they put in somebody else? I mean, you have to think about it's not set in stone. Any government agency or government, in this case, government affiliated agency, right? Because the Fed is a different beast. And independent. They're independent, Joe. Yes. But still, anything associated with Washington, when they say the, the words two years, you should have significant eye roll. Yeah. Yeah. We promise. How many fingers are crossed behind their back? Take care of it now. Take care of it now. I heard a story from a client earlier this week. He's been working on a refinance for six months because banks are getting tighter. We saw it a couple weeks ago. Capital One announced they reduced all their credit card limits for everybody. Said, hey, you know, so just. Did you see the headline somebody shared in our Facebook group, The Basement, about the guy that changed the terms? On his credit card application, I did. I've seen that before. Yeah, that's kind of an old story. That, that was that was great. Yeah, I don't know if it. You know, I mean, it's a I diff- different country, so who knows how that's going to work out for him? But you mean that might not work out great? <laughs> I would love to do that to Capital One, though. And and for people wondering what we're talking about, allegedly, this gentleman when he when he signed up for his credit card, he got rid of the we'll we'll say eighteen percent. Yeah, the terms and conditions he changed them and put zero. Just changed them. And then sent them back to the bank. Of course, the bank automatic processing didn't read any of the changes. Went ahead and issued him a credit card. When he didn't pay any of the interest, they uh, they got a little angry. And then he came back at them with, hey, here were my terms and conditions. And they said the same thing the average person says, like with their iTunes <laughs> agreement. <laughs> well, we didn't read any of that. It's like, hey, is that my problem? Is, it, is that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So- 
I would love for that to be true. Go get your refinance on if you still got a chance. Yes, get it done. Great. Way to circle back to the real point. Nice job. That's a game, Doug. Write it down, 100%. (laughs) This is how you do it. Our second headline comes to us from the BBC News. Man, we are worldwide. We're incredible. We cover boxing matches. Prestige worldwide. We have the BBC. Worldwide. This headline, of course, the BBC doesn't tell us who wrote this headline, but uh, let's jump in it. A man whose father gave him 18-year-old whiskey every year for his birthday is selling the collection to buy a house. Matthew Robson from Taunton was born in 1992, and over the course of his life, his father, Pete, has spent about 5,000 pounds on 28 bottles of McKellen single malt. The collection is now worth more than 40,000 pounds, and it's all been put up for sale. 28-year-old said it probably wasn't the best gift for a young boy. But with strict instructions never to open them, they'd become a nest egg. Each year I received his birthday present, Matthew said. I thought it was quite a quirky little present as I was slightly too young to start drinking, but I was under strict instructions never ever to open them. And I tried my hardest and succeeded. And they're all intact, except the one that's been replaced partly by water. Exactly. (laughs) Except the fact that I had to glue the seal back on. Because one night in college. <laughs> Single malt scotch. And it continues to appreciate. That stuff gets older and it becomes more more Apparently worthwhile. it's better. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that that could happen in my life. Here, here's a bottle of booze you can never drink. Sure. <laughs> It'll be worth more later. I'm sure. I'm sure it's fine now. My brother and I figured out where the Christmas presents were hidden one year. It took out, remember those little Mattel handheld sports games? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. My parents were buying us hockey and, uh, and basketball. And one day my mom came home, we didn't hear the car and she walks in her bedroom and my brother and I, two weeks before Christmas, playing the hell out of our Christmas presents before he put them back in the, put them back in the box. Oh, be very difficult to do with McKellen. Yeah. Can't put that back in yeah. the box. Yeah, it's a good idea, though. I did tell my son, we got, uh, we belonged to like a wine club. and You and your son? Yeah, me and my son, yeah. Mainly I'm the one in charge, but <laughs> but he, he sometimes supervises. All right, Dad, that's enough. Ease up, Dad. I know, slow down. Who's driving us home? Because I'm 10. <laughs> Anyways, he asked, we got some wine in the mail one time, and he's like, what? Why, why are you holding on to that? I said, well, this we're going to drink when you graduate high school. And he's like, you're going to keep it that long? And I'm like, yeah, actually, no, probably. You're right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I should keep it that long, but I'm not going to. It's yeah. it's going away. Just stay truthful, kid. Stay truthful. I think lesson number one here is... I think this would have been better than my mom getting us all beanie babies. Did she? Oh, my mom was Beanie Baby Central, yeah. I mean, she got my sister a whole bunch of Barbies. Apparently, they're worth a whole bunch of money. But my sister did the same thing that we were talking about. She was like, oh, and don't play with them? Okay, sure. And then yeah, I, I do remember my sister having a, like, playing with the Barbies while they were in the boxes, like, playing with the boxes, because my mom wouldn't let her take them out of the boxes. <laughs> like, ah! And watching my daughter now, who is the same, you know, Barbie age, my daughter plays with the crap out of Barbies, you know, makes them dance and do all this stuff. So, uh, so that had to have been torture for a four or five year old to like have all these dolls in boxes. 
But, Sitting uh, on their little chairs around the little table, having yeah, their tea. Yeah, just in boxes. Yeah. So I wonder if those are worth something. But uh, but yeah, we had GI Joes. We had, a, we had some cool GI Joes that apparently would have been worth some money, but threw those all away. <laughs> oh, all the stuff that could have been worth money that we've had over the years, had and lost. Oh, yeah. Baseball oh, yeah. cards. Yeah. I had tons of baseball cards. We'd ride our bikes yeah. down the store. I, I went on a baseball card kick. I didn't, I don't, I don't remember actually. It would have helped to know anybody playing baseball because I'm like, I, Mickey Mantle, don't know. It sounds like a stupid name. Chuck. <laughs> Who needs an alliterative name? <laughs> no. What kind of idiot names this kid Babe? Right. <laughs> what a crazy name, Babe. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think, what's, what's our lesson here? Don't drink the scotch and you'll get rich. Yes. That is, is that the, is that it? And then uh, really our big. Have your dad buy you scotch. That's, <laughs> so, so that's the, that's the secret. So you could get rich. I'm curious though, because now we're talking about it. What if dad would have taken that money and invested it in the, in, in the market instead? So he said he spent 5,000 bucks. And it's worth 40. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody out in our group could figure that out. Somebody's got to do the math. We don't have the time to do the math. I don't, yeah. Or inclination. We're busy covering a boxing match, okay? We got the real financial stuff we have to do. I think uh, the real lesson here, though, has nothing to do with that title. I think it's the first one, which is, man, you got good interest rates in front of you, and you've got a debt issue. Refinance your debt to a much, much lower rate, number one. And then number two, take care of the real problem. By the way, we didn't cover this, OG, but interest rates aren't the problem when it comes to your debt. You're the problem. You got into debt in the first place. Take care of the real problem. Lower interest rates. Just use that to help you get out of trouble. Well, this weekend, the Boxing Spotlight turns on Showtime to big unifying belt fight between Jason Rosario and Jamel Charlo. Jason Rosario, of course, in those last few fights, just amazing. And and how humble and how soft-spoken this guy is. You know, the Teddy Roosevelt line, speak softly but carry a big stick. Jason Rosario has two big sticks. He calls them left and right. One of his secret weapons, though, is that he doesn't just train his body, he also trains his mind. And we've got his coach coming up next, Mike Rosenfeld, peak performance coach, flow state expert. We're going to talk about this idea of flow. I've always loved the idea of flow. Philosophically, just a fantastic philosophy to latch onto. If you're not sure or don't know what flow is, you're about to have an introduction from Mike Rosenfeld. He's a breathwork therapist. We'll probably work on changing your breathing, believe it or not, for better performance. Of course, he works with not just Jason Rosario, but also with CEOs and companies teaching people how to get more every time they metaphorically, in this case, get in the ring. Let's say hello to Jason Rosario's coach, Mike Rosenfeld. And on my dad's shortwave radio, Mike Rosenfeld joins us. How are you, man? I'm doing amazing. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing great, but the question everybody wants to know is Jason Rosario. You got this guy ready for this weekend? He's ready, man. He is ready. 
that look in his eyes, he's just, his demeanor, he is just 100% ready. Let's talk about your prediction for the fight this weekend. What's your prediction? My prediction is that he shows up and he gives his very best. I mean, I've studied boxing my entire life. I've boxed since I was eight years old. Boxing is a uh, it's a game. It's a science. And there's two fighters who both come head on. Jason's going to go head on and Jermel's going to come head on. And they're going to clash. And whoever stands up longer is going to win. And in this case, it's going to be Jason because I don't think Jermel Charlo's ever felt a punch like Jason Rosario's punch. Man, you look at a couple of Jason's last fights and you see those punches. I mean, the stunning punches that he has just out of the blue, Mike. Well, you've seen them out of the blue. All of a sudden, here's this right hook just landing. Yeah, it's interesting because like he has this very calm demeanor to him. He's very cool. He's very calm. His punches just look very calculated, very smooth. But when they land, it's like getting hit with a Mack truck. I mean, I've held mitts for boxers throughout my entire life, heavyweights, lightweights. Some guys, when they hit, it's like you're getting hit by a Porsche. Other guys, it's like you're getting hit by a, by a Hummer. Jason, it's like you're getting hit by an 18-wheeler. It's boom. It is solid. It's going to be a good fight, man. I can't wait to watch it. I'm wondering about this because there's so many analogies between what Jason's doing this weekend and with a lot of people who hang out with us, listen to the show. Everybody looks at the physical aspect, right? I got to work out in the morning. I got to I got to take care of my body. I got to take care of myself. In fact, some people don't even do that. But for you, you're training Jason on a whole different level of things. And it feels to me like there's so many CEOs, there's so many fighters that have a head full of all kinds of stuff. Tell me about what you've been doing with Jason's brain to get him ready for this fight. Well, everyone has a belief system, like a belief system about themselves. Let's just call that your identity. So everyone has an identity, a way they identify themselves. And whatever that is, that's what you create. What I mean by that is, if you could imagine on a scale of one through 10, at a 10, you're at your very best, and at a one, you're at your worst. You're somewhere in there, in between a one and a 10. Wherever you are, there's a story going on in your head about yourself that's causing you to continuously get the same results over and over again. Let's say on a scale of one through 10, I see myself as a six, right? Like I say to myself, you know what? I'm not that bad, I'm not that good, I'm, I'm a six. I'd look at my life, I'd say I'm probably earning X amount of money, just kind of getting by. Whereas if I were an eight, I'd be earning more and, and moving in a different way. Or if I was a nine, I'd be earning, okay. Wherever number you are, that's your identity. And if you can give one word, if you can attribute one word to that number, like so if I was at a six, I would call myself a failure. So if I saw myself as a failure, I would produce as a failure. But let's now, we don't work with that. Now we're working with like world champions, right? So like, let's say we have someone who's at a 90 percentile, 95 percentile, 90, 99 percentile. If you see yourself at that level, you will only perform at that level. So what we do is rewire the brain so that it thinks and performs clearly, strongly at the highest level. And here's how it works. 
There are 4.2 billion bits of information that are happening every given second. Out of all that information, we're only able to receive less than 1%. That's all the mind can comprehend, less than 1%. And what we're taking in is what we believe. So if you have a belief system about yourself that's less than powerful, or maybe it's average, or maybe it's great, that's how you're gonna perform. Jason, we're performing at elite level. So everything we do is to wire him to think elite, to you, breathe elite. You're not changing them, Mike. You're not trying to change the outside stimulus and what's going on around Jason, around the CEOs you work with, around them. You're changing, like Jason's filtering system is what you're working on. Like what he does with it as he's processing it as it comes in. Yeah. So when I was four years old, I remember I was knocking on my parents' door. I had a migraine headache and I just wanted them to answer the door and help me. And I was crying and I was crying and knocking, but they didn't answer. And I stood in the hallway and I had this feeling. It was like this feeling in my heart. And if I could put words to it, the feeling was, I must not be important. I'm crying. My parents aren't even there to help me. They don't even want to help me. I know they heard me. I must not be important. At four years old, that belief system was born. And every time I would raise my hand in class and the teacher wouldn't call on me, uh, teacher doesn't think I'm important. And every time my friends were around me and like not listening to what I had to say, oh, they don't think I'm important. Over and over again, I would just see the world through the lens of the belief system that I must not be important. We all have these belief systems. I have really strong belief systems too. The thing is, whatever we believe is what we get. And so what we need to do, what we're doing with Jason, what we do with all the fighters, what we do with all of our guys, is we find out where they are. And, I, and I'm exaggerating all the way to the other side, just so the listeners can hear it. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have to identify where we are and we have to be okay with it. In other words, if I only see myself as a seven, okay, that's where I am. That is where I am. Why is it important for me to say that? Because the GPS cannot get me to where I want to go if I'm not being honest with where I am. So I first have to meet myself where I am. Okay, yeah, I have these insecurities. I'm losing all of this money. I'm, I'm making bad deals or I'm making good deals or I could be doing better. Whatever it is, whoever, whoever you are listening right now, whatever's going on in your business, in your world is a product of what you believe. And if you want to get more out of yourself and out of your business, you have to shift your belief systems. I got to imagine getting rid of a lot of that baggage is 85% of the job that you do with people when you first meet with them. Yeah, but it's not done in like a therapeutic type of way. Like we don't go into the past and like sit there and like figure out what happened when you were five. You're still complaining because mom dropped you on your head when you were five. Like, like that's not what we're doing. Like we're, we don't go there. What we do, here's the simplicity of it. Check this out. Imagine yourself on a scale of one through 10, if you're at a 10. Okay. And now imagine you're at a six. 
Now describe the way your life would be if you were at a six. Go. I am uh, slower. Uh, I feel tired more often. I feel like the world's kind of hitting me over the head. My relationships aren't great. I don't feel in control. I feel like somebody else is always in control of my day, of my relationships. Cool. In one word, describe you at a six. In one word? Um, in one word. Depressed. Depressed. Okay. So this is how people live. They live in the reality and they constantly have the same thoughts. There are 77,000 thoughts that go through our mind on average a day. A human being has 77, roughly 77,000 thoughts that run through their minds each day. Those thoughts are pretty much the same thoughts over and over and over again. Why? Because they're coming from our subconscious belief systems. So in your case, what you're saying is that whole narrative leads to one thing. I'm depressed. Now, if you are at a 10, what's the difference between how you're sitting at a six and how you're sitting at a 10? Oh, at 10, I've taken control. Now I've taken control of the relationships. I've taken control of, of my health. Uh, I feel better. I'm excited to get out of bed in the morning, probably working longer hours, mostly because I have to, not because I want, or excuse me, mostly because, because I want to, not because I have to, right? Because I'm addicted to what I do because I love it so much. I would say that's a 10. Okay. So in one word, describe you at a 10. Uh, motivated. Motivated. Great. So now I want you to please shift your physiology to be depressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shift your breathing to be depressed. Shallower, humped over, slumped over. Yeah. Shift your eye gaze to be depressed. Yeah. Down, avoiding eye contact. Thoughts as depressed. Uh, why isn't this going better? Okay. Now I'm going to shift your posture to a 10. Go. All right. Uh, spine straight up, sitting straight up in my chair, leaning forward. Shift. Leaning forward. Shift your breathing to a 10. Much. Is it short and shallow or is it deep and much, much, much really deep, much deeper breath, powerful breath. Shift your eye gaze to a 10. Right. Eyes right on you, buddy. Right. Now, does a 10 focus on the problem or does the 10 focus on the goal and the steps it's necessary in order to achieve it? The goal and the solution and I'm in charge. Beautiful. Now. Go back to a six. Yeah. Can you see the distinction between the two? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we did, we did the breathing, we did the posture, we did the eye gaze, and we did your thoughts. Each one of those are connected to your nervous system. We are training the nervous system to go from six to 10. We do this work every single day over and over again. For example, twice an hour, alarm goes off. At a 10, my word is exuberant, right? I breathe exuberant. My posture and my movement is exuberant. The look of my eyes is exuberant. My thoughts are exuberant and I immediately take action coming from exuberance. 
what happens when I do that is I am reprogramming my subconscious. I'm reprogramming my mind. Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the mind is like a muscle. And whatever thoughts you keep having, you are training the mind to work in that direction. So what we're doing is we're identifying where you are and we're training the mind to become you at your best. We're doing it through your breath, which is connect. obviously your lungs are connected to your nervous system, your posture, your energy flow, all of it. And as you do this twice an hour, five times a day, and you take action, guess what? Twice an hour, you're taking an action out of a 10. You at a 10, guess, and you're going to start looking around and saying, wow, look what I'm producing. That's how we shift our identity from wherever we are. Now, Jason, obviously, he's not starting at a six. He's, right. <laughs> he, came to camp at, he came to camp at a nine. He's really sharp right now, ready to go. But for what he's doing, I mean, being in the ring, the difference between a nine and a half and a 10 is everything this weekend. I mean, it is everything. Everything. And it's interesting because his opponent, you know, they say his opponent, Jamel Charlo, they say he's an emotional fighter. I studied every one of his fights. I studied every one of his interviews. He's not emotional in the sense of like reckless emotions. He is a very mentally strong person. He does not get the credit for being so. He gets, he comes across as cocky, but the way he conducts himself, he thinks very strategically and he's very focused. We're not underestimating him one bit. He's a powerful guy. You've studied a lot uh, of philosophy, Mike, that I absolutely love and have loved for a while called the flow state. And you help people get into this flow state. We did an exercise just now that kind of helps us do that, right? Getting, uh, uh, changing our physiology to affect our brain and where it's going. But for people that don't understand flow, can you talk to that? What is flow and how do you help people dive into that? Yeah, of course. So we've all seen an athlete like games on the line and like they just keep knocking down their shots. They're in the zone. They call it the zone. The zone is the same as flow state. It's the same as runner's high. Basically, it's the state when you're in your most powerful essence, where you're confident, where you're focused, where you're calm, where things are just able to come to you with ease and grace, and you're able to perform in the ways that you just couldn't perceive yourself able to be. We have known about flow state for years. Science now has been able to identify that when we're in flow state, we know exactly what's going on in the brain. We know our brain waves are going from beta to alpha to gamma. We know that our body's producing oxytocin, it's producing norepinephrine and dopamine. We know that uh, there's a calm breathing that takes place. So not only do we know that this exists, we know physiologically what's going on in the body as it's happening. And that's cool. But in the last few years, we've also learned that there are four channels that get us into that state. So there are four different channels that we can use to access flow state. And when I mean by channels, we can induce flow at any time when we do certain types of exercises. And that's what I do with my athletes.
it's amazing. And what's funny is you don't, un, you don't know that you're in a flow state until it's over, right? When it's over, you're like, wow, I don't know where I was the last 20 minutes, but I was on, like, I was yeah, just, I was there. Nice by everything's just like flow. You're like ease and grace. And it's just like, yeah, hundred percent. And the reason why is because your brain, there's transient hypofrontality takes place. Transient hypofrontality, which is the gradual slowing down of the front cerebral cortex. Basically, what that means is your analytical mind, your judgmental mind begins to just kind of silence itself. And because it's silence, you're not keeping track of time. And when you're not keeping track of time and you're not judging yourself, you're able to access so much more of your inherent gifts and talents and skill sets. It's it, it, no, it's funny. I was just talking to a guy for an upcoming interview uh, and stackers. You'll hear this in a couple of weeks. We we're talking about genius and he was talking about one characteristic of genius is this ability to be able to slow down time when things get really tough to be able to slow down time and have this grace under pressure. And really, I think a lot of that is, is flow. And we can bring that on, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, for sure. The mind lives in the past, which we can't control. So we create all of these belief systems based on our past experiences that affect our present. And we're so focused on what just happened that we're not in the moment. So you can't, you can't win if you're focused on the last play. The mind also lives in the future. We can't control the past. We can't control the future. All of our power is in the now. And when we're able to slow our mind down, we do that through our breathing. We're able to be present in the moment and dominate, perform at the highest levels. This weekend, Jason Rosario is in the ring, Mike, but you've been in your own ring through life. So how do you connect with these fighters like Jason and really get in their head? I think that there's an outlook on life that we can choose to either beat ourselves up or build ourselves up. We can choose to look at life like challenges are hurting us or challenges are helping us. And depends on how you want to look at things, that's that's how you're going to get through them. I mean, for myself, you know, I, I've lived on my own since I was a kid. I'm involved in gangs, and many years of drug addiction and incarceration as a kid. And I, at one point, I just realized that everything that happened in my life was there to teach me and to guide me. And um, when you accept your challenges, you become more powerful from them. Life isn't up or down, it's up and down. So when it's down, we look at it like it's an opportunity to learn and grow and bounce forward, bounce back up. So when I'm working with the fighters, you know, every moment in that ring is a challenge. It's a challenge. And you got to be present. You got to give all of yourself because the cost of not giving all of yourself could be deadly. I think people connect to real and there's not a single person who I work with that doesn't get to know all of me, um, that doesn't get to know my story, 
that I don't share like my trials, my tribulations, because I believe that everything that we go through, we go through so that we can teach others. And so that in and of itself creates a very strong bond and strong connection um, between my clients and I. I, you know, I make all of my clients, every one of them that I work with, I teach them certain things and I train them in certain ways, but each of them sign a contract that they have to go and teach what they've learned through the coaching to charities. Oh, that's so, fabulous. Yeah. That's- every one of them has to pay it forward. Otherwise I won't work with them. And, and that's why I do what I do. Um, if, if your audience is interested in hearing this, so I did. I lived on my own since I was 14 years old. I was involved in gangs. I went to a program for juvenile offenders. I ended up graduating high school and I did pretty good. Went to college um, and in college, uh, I graduated with a degree in psychology and communication. And then I went to work with Seagram's and I became very close with the, uh, the owner of Seagram and the vice president of Seagram's. So I moved up the ladder quickly and Seagram was the parent company to Universal Entertainment. Yeah. So I went to work in the music industry and I was marketing music that had a negative message and we were targeting kids and I could not live with myself. Although the money was great, I, I didn't feel like I was kept alive to be poisoning the minds of kids. And so um, my mentor, who's the vice president of Seagram's, and he's still my mentor today, he looked at me and he said, if you're not living in alignment with, with your core values, you're never going to be happy no matter how much money you're making. So go find yourself. And this, I was like 23 years old. So I started a charity for kids back in Miami. And uh, for 10 years, we I would go into jails and halfway houses and work with kids who were incarcerated. And through sports and through arts, I would help them make a distinction between their authentic voice and their egoic voice, who they're trying to be and who they really are. And then when they can tune into their authentic core values, we help them create a, a, a vision that's unique to them. Who am I if I'm honoring my true values? What does that look like at my best? And then we would help them come up with strategies and we teach them the mindset in order to get there. And then uh, that program was massively successful. I was brought on to Oprah Winfrey. We traveled with Alicia Keys, it was, it was great. What's it like, by the way, talking to Maya Angelou of all people? surreal i mean she was just like so sweet so humble but so wise and so precise like precise. i felt her when i said that like so precise like her words are just so smooth and so sharp i give an example so i go into companies and i work with salespeople, um and you really want to be able to believe what you're, in what you're selling, right? Sure. So the way you do it is you have to really connect to what it is that you're selling. And the way you do it in terms of your speech is you think of like a surgeon, a heart surgeon. They use a very sharp instrument because it's dealing with the heart. And it's got to be very precise. But they use a very gentle hand to do it. It's no different than our words. Our words must be precise and very gentle. And when we're able to speak from the heart as salespeople, and this is one of the processes that we teach, we're very convincing. Maya Angelou exemplifies that. 
she exemplifies someone who just speaks her truth and it is there it was powerful she's a powerful woman People can find you at CoachMikeRosenfeld.com. We'll have a link in our show notes page at StackyBenjamins.com. Man, enjoy the fight this weekend, and uh, we'll have a link to Coach Mike Rosenfeld on the show notes at StackyBenjamins.com. Thanks for talking, fighting, controlling the mind, and let's all be a 10, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and isn't Coach Mike the best Hearing Coach Mike was exactly what I needed. I mean, I might have a big fight on my own horizon, and this advice might just get me to the winner's circle. See, there's a new assistant manager down at the Sizzler named Todd, and Todd seems to be looking for showtime at the Sizzler with old Doug. Before I tell you the whole unbelievable story, let's get to today's trivia. God, I'm pretty hot about Todd. Hey, on this date in history, Lewis and Clark returned from their expedition to explore the Pacific Northwest. What comedian co-starred alongside Matthew Perry from Friends in the comedy Almost Heroes, which is loosely based on Lewis and Clark? I'll be back faster than you can look for your van down by the river, Todd. I know I've talked before about the master classes that I'm taking currently just finishing up one by Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein on advertising creativity. You know, you say that you don't know who those people are. Well, if you know the phrase got milk and many, many phrases like that, you know, Goodby and Silverstein, but I've also taken master classes in comedy with Steve Martin and in dramatic writing with Aaron Sorkin. On the list, though, I'm excited about the class, The Art of Negotiation with Chris Voss. Of course, any self-respecting Disney fan has to do the business strategy and leadership session with Bob Iger. And as an entrepreneur, the self-made entrepreneurship session with Sarah Blakely, who created Spanx. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to negotiate from Chris Voss, improve your comedy with Steve Martin with over 85 classes from a range of world-class instructors. That thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. What I really think is great is during my day, I have some breaks as an example for lunch. And during lunch, I'll sit, I'll take my laptop and I'll watch my advertising class. And it's cool that in a 10 minute break, I get one new lesson that I can apply immediately. And I've also found that, you know, from time to time, I'll get the feeling that I'm not that inspired or I'm not with it. I'll put a masterclass. I'll do one of the 10 minute lessons and bam, all of a sudden I'm back ready to refocus and go. So I highly recommend you check it out, get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a stacker, you're going to get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash stacking. That's masterclass.com slash stacking for 15% off masterclass. You and I both know that the world of student loans is just a mess. And if it's time to take control and start cleaning up your mess, the place you want to head is studentloanhero.com. If you're ready to pay off your student loans and you're looking at refinancing options, lower payments, forgiveness, even looking to see exactly what's going on 
with the latest from Washington around student loan repayment. And there seems to be new stuff all the time. You want to be informed, but you also want to take control. You go to Student Loan Hero. When you're refinancing your debt, there are ways to refinance. And there are some essential questions you need to ask. And at Student Loan Hero, you'll find 10 essential things to ask before refinancing your student loans. Also, when you're ready to lower your payments, they have the ultimate guide to lowering your student loan payments. And of course, they have calculators and quizzes that can help you get on track with what you need to know when it comes to refinancing your student loans. So whether you're just beginning your education journey and you know you're going to need student loans or you're somebody that went astray with student loans, we got you covered either way. Head to studentloanhero.com. That's studentloanhero.com. Hey, trivia fans, it's your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and okay, get this. There I am, innocently, sitting at the Sizzler, enjoying my delicious ribeye with onions and mushrooms, and then I see him, new assistant manager, Todd, and I knew Todd was up to no good. Can you believe that he comes up to me and he has the audacity to suggest that I order the new coconut shrimp? Coconut shrimp? Are you kidding me? Todd, do we look like a communist? Coconut does not belong on shrimp, Todd. Coach Mike taught us today that there are times when you need to go big and play for keeps. And this is one of those times, Todd. Tell you what, Doug is going to fight for what's right on this one. Before I go prep for my big fight, let's get back to today's trivia. All right, just got to settle down for a minute coconut on shrimp on this date in history lewis and clark returned from their expedition to explore the pacific northwest what actor starred alongside matthew perry in the comedy almost heroes which is loosely based on lewis and clark if you guessed one of my favorite comedians who died before his time chris farley then you'd be right Of course, Lewis and Clark helped open up the Northwest so we could now all buy super expensive coffee and beer from pretentious hipsters in Portland, Oregon, which is way better than putting up with Todd. No way anyone in Portland would put coconut on shrimp. All right, I got to go get my fight on. Get ready, Todd. I'm coming, man. See ya. Chris Farley, there's a comedian I miss. Yeah. I think Tommy Boy, one of the funniest movies of all time. Of course, this particular film, Taylor on our team tells me that Almost Heroes is just absolutely hilarious. And that movie's largely forgotten, sadly. Got to go watch it. Okay. I'll put it on the list. Hey, big thanks to Mike Rosenfeld for joining us today. And uh, you use the physical exercises that Mike Rosenfeld preaches. Yeah. At the end of the day, motion is what creates emotion. In today's day and age, when so much stuff is done on Zoom and in conference calls and, you know, whatever, like he was having you go through the exercise of what was that like when you were sitting there and when you're this level of person, what's that physiology look like? It's sitting in a chair, it's slumped over, it's shoulders lower, you know, it's all that stuff. Well, what does that look like when you're on a Zoom call? 
that's what that that's what you're doing. So just hit the button and put your video off and stand up and walk around. I mean, for crying out loud, you got your entire house or apartment to use. <laughs> you know, you're on a you're on a you're on an audio call. Move around. Or if you can't, if you have to be present, do something before your Zoom call. You know, get the blood flowing a little bit. Do some push-ups or jumping jacks or you know, squats or something, get a standing desk that you have to stand up at. That's going to translate to the communication that you have with, with the other people in that endeavor or whatever it is. This stuff is so interesting to me because, because just like you experienced, it's so true. You know what a 10 looks like and you can do it. Now you just have to remember to go do it. Yeah. Go get, go get yourself to be a 10. Yeah. And then get on stage. It is amazing. Even in that example, just how much different I felt in a matter of 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, we talked about what do you like when you're six? What do you like when you're 10? Very truthfully sitting there with Mike, I was probably at an eight, eight and a half. But man, the difference. All of a sudden I was a 10. I was on. You remember the beginning of Cars? The movie Cars? He's like, focus, speed. I am speed. It's Lightning McQueen, man. We need to do that at the beginning of every of every recording of the show. I do that, don't you? Uh, I will start. Okay. I will start. But big thanks to Mike for joining us. Yeah, that was a cool, cool interview. You going to watch the fight? Uh, sure. <laughs> I Actually, you know what fight I'm looking forward to is the Mike Tyson one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've rescheduled it a couple times, but I follow him on Instagram, watching him do the training for this upcoming charity thing that they're doing, Mike Tyson would beat the snot out of any living thing. <laughs> like he's 52 or something. It's unbelievable. He's still got it. I'm, I'm pretty convinced. I have watched some fights. I think I'm going to watch this one mostly because of our involvement and all the homework I did doing my homework on Jason. I've seen Jason fight before. Uh, I'll just be interested from a very, Somebody to cheer for. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 A lot of times you flip those on and you see them on Friday nights or Saturday nights or something. You don't know who's who and you're just. Uh, yeah. 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 This. All right. All right. I'll watch it. I'm in. Let's do it. Get your popcorn ready. Y- yeah. Let's get a viewing party here in the basement. Have uh, mom make some popcorn. We'll get it done. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first, your loved ones and your time. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple so you can do those things with those people. You can go watch the fight. You're not speaking of life insurance. I think these boxers. What would happen if you said that you're a championship boxer? What would Haven Life do to your application then? Uh, Sorry, sir. Please contact us for more information. Yes, yes. Uh, We're going to start our underwriting on Sunday. It appears that your kidneys are a mess. Their application is simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. And of course, all policies issued not by a startup type company like Haven Life, but by Mass Mutual, more than 160-year-old insurer. So you get the best of both worlds. Today, instead of answering a question on the Haven Lifeline, we're going to run to Reddit, which is always one of our favorite things to do. And uh, we've got a confession here. Today's Haven Lifeline is a story of love and loss, of making the wrong moves. See if I can find the right. uh... Nope. 
Well, that's which one are you looking for? Uh, actually, I don't think we have we have one that we gotta have one that plays like dramatic, like slow p- piano music while I read this. We don't have that one. Nope. Yeah. yeah, we gotta change this stuff up. We need we need some better sound effects. Now that we have the toys, we gotta have one to go with this. Steve, you've got some nice, easy listening music. Lay the bed down underneath me, brother. Come on. Here's the story. I panicked, sold it all, went to U.S. Treasuries, lost about, wait for it, $300,000 compared to doing nothing. I'm still not fully back in the market. Don't be like me. We all know how it should work. Pick your asset allocation, squirrel away, rebalance, do some Roth conversions, keep living costs low, build a tent to mitigate sequence of returns risk sail off into the sunset i could go into why i decided to sell everything and buy u.s treasuries but by this time in my journey i should have known better but i did on april 1st 2020 of course fortunately i had a plan to get back in but that plan did not indicate re-entry until august 1st but by then psychology was already working as my best interest i can't get back in now near the highs So I determined to reinvest in five chunks. I would set limit orders two to 4% off recent highs. And if those didn't trigger by month end, I'd change them to market orders to ensure entry. Well, August saw no such pullback, 7% higher. I put in August one fifth chunk and set orders for September, which all got filled yesterday in the sell-off. Now I'm 40% back into my standard 80-20 portfolio. By the way, some perspective, I'm going to cut to the chase here. That money invested would pay for college tuition for my two children just about anywhere for four years when they turn 18. Oops. That loss will likely push off my retirement by three to five years. Or if I keep the same target date, I'll have to spend about $25,000 a year less in retirement. Or I could have just quit my job, bought a yacht, and sailed the world for the last five months and been better off. There's more to it. We'll link to it in the show notes. A person goes on to talk about financial advice, financial advisors, somebody like... Mike in your corner. But I think the big lesson here, OG, stick with the plan, man. Yeah. At the end of the day, the time to figure out that you don't have the risk tolerance for what's happening is long before it happens, not in the middle of it. You know, with all the tools available today, some of them retail tools that you can find, and certainly the stuff that professionals use, you know, you can stress test your investment portfolio pretty accurately and have an idea of what's likely the worst that can happen. Now, you're not going to be able to like forecast every eventuality and every potential downturn and how that's going to impact your money, but you can get an idea of if the market goes down 20%, what am I going to participate in that in? You know, am I going to also go down 20? Am I going to go down 25? Or am I going to go down 15? And what does that really look like? You know, a lot of times people say that percentage number and it's like, just kind of whip it around like it's no big deal. Ah, 20%. That's what I like about this piece is that this person puts it in real terms. No, that was, that was college for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You can't spend percentages. You have to spend dollars. And I think one of the things that people do as a disservice as they're thinking about their investment policy statement is they say, well, I'm okay with plus or minus 20%. Well, put that in real dollars, you know, say I've got a, I got a million bucks and I'm okay with this waking up one day and seeing 800,000. I'm not okay with 799, 999, 999. 
quantify that and give yourself the thing to look at. Be honest. When you see the news and you see, oh, the stocks are going crazy, they're up a whole bunch or down a whole bunch, do you pay attention to that or do you log into Schwab.com and see where your money is? You log in and what's the numbers you remember? You remember the highest number you ever saw and you remember the lowest number you ever saw. Those are the two numbers. That's it. So you can give yourself those parameters and say, you know, I've got 500,000 today or I've got 100,000 today. I don't ever want to see 80, you know, or I don't ever want to see 75. Well, now with that information, you can start designing what's the right quantity of big companies and small companies in US and not US and so on and so forth that's going to produce a likelihood of never reaching that thing that you're going to get stressed out about. Because just like this guy says here, or gal, whichever it was, I don't know if you said, but um, just like he says, the only thing that mattered in all of this was his behavior. The only thing. That was it. And he's right. It cost him years. It cost him years of opportunity. And it sounds really silly to say, but probably the best thing that could have happened would have been for him to go into a coma and not be able to touch his money. Imagine if that would have happened in March and he wakes up in September and, oh my God, what's going on? Oh, sir, you're okay. No, no, what's going on with my money? Oh, uh, back to even, I guess. You know, like how boring. Hey, what's going on with the with, with my portfolio? Um, Yeah, you, you're down like 2% for the year. Oh, well, I guess that's not a big deal. It's not the where you ended up. It was the ride along the way that scared you. Yeah. So if you can figure out a way to not have that ride along the way blow up your plan, and sometimes that means you don't get to get 10% a year. You know, we talk about on the show, I talk all the time about, hey, you got to be all stocks, all stocks all the time. But if you're going to blow it up like this guy did, you don't get to be that way. And if that means that your portfolio is only going to grow at 7% a year because you have to take some precautions because of your psyche, which is perfectly fine to do, by the way, then you need to know that. You need to know that you can't be running calculations at 7% or you can't be running calculations at 10% if your money's only going to get 7 But you need to know what that is unique to you. And this guy obviously didn't, he didn't have that stress test. He got, he got the loveliness of all of upside volatility. Everybody loves volatility when it's in their favor. Guess what? There's people out there who shorted the market who love the volatility on the downside, by the way. It's not, it's not about volatility. It's about being in your favor or not. And most of the time, it's not. So you have to be okay with it. And then I think the other thing that's important to recognize with this is that crying over spilled milk doesn't get anything done either. Like sitting there and belly aching about it over the course of August and September and, you know, like, I don't know what to do. Like once you've recognized that it's not the way it should be, you have to fix it immediately. Fix it, you know, and be done with it. What I do like is, is that once they recognize the mistake, they put in place a plan to get back in. The plan yeah. obviously ended up being imperfect, which is why they wrote this uh, Reddit piece. But there is no such thing as a perfect plan once you, once you mess up. Just get in, create a plan, and then follow the plan. And the piece of this that I really do like is once they recognize that this was a horrible move, to just implement it. And, and I like the fact that every month they followed the plan from then on after making that one bad move, they then followed the plan. Yeah. But even then it was a BS plan to begin with. It was like, well, I'll call it a plan, but it's really still me being the way that I was in March. Oh, sure. It's still a little market timey plan, right? <laughs> 
It's completely wise. Put the money in. But this time it's market timing because you're desperate and you have to do something that's very difficult. You, you have to hope the market goes down again. Right? Yeah. You have to pray the market does bad stuff so that you can get back in. And, and and so he got his money finally in at the beginning of September and now it's down 10%. So he got what he wanted. Bam. Right after there. So in. now we, now we lost twice. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. I last week was covering the Morningstar conference. Uh, Morningstar is a third party rating agency. They have a conference where media and financial advisors attend this. And of course, this year, because of COVID, it was virtual. But one of the sessions that I sat in on was about the changing face of being a financial advisor. And the difference is people like me who started off with a lot of sales training back in the early 90s, right? Learned how different products worked and a lot of product knowledge. The overwhelming opinion is is that those people as advisors, OG, are dinosaurs. That if you're going to survive as a financial advisor today, you need as much psychological and uh, training as a therapist, training as an emotional counselor as you can possibly get. Because a good financial advisor at this juncture resides squarely at understanding money and understanding behavior. And it's the two of those together that is going to be somebody that can actually help a person win with their money in the future. I agree with that about 85% of the way, because the other side of it, which I think is also important is being able to tactfully. And I think when we think of the word sales, we think of the, the sleazy slick back hair used car sales guy in the cheap suit, you know, what do I got to do to get you in this car today? But also part of sales is getting people to make a decision. I think the pendulum is swinging a little bit too far against that in some cases. It's interesting because, you know, having having done this now for uh, several decades and basically doing it the what you're talking about, going through that process of being a sales guy, being really good at that, and then kind of transitioning over the years, thankfully much earlier, but transitioning over the years to more of a consultative uh, uh, role with client relationships. Uh, I do see in the younger advisor population almost a laissez-faire attitude of client engagement. Like, well, I gave them the plan, so if they don't do it, that's up to them. And I think that some of our job is to is to go just a slight nudge, you know. And I don't mean like pin you to the ground like the used car sales guy does, but I'm saying sometimes you need that push. And maybe that's behavioral, maybe that's consultative, maybe. I totally agree with you. And it's funny because I was thinking this during the presentations. I was thinking there also is this piece where you have to have training as a coach. You have to have training on the implementation of this stuff. And I think this is the negative repercussion of, this is the unintended consequence of the move to fee-only planning. And everybody talks about, make sure you get a fee-only planner. You know, make sure you get a fee-only planner. You know, a fee-only planner, and Jane Bryant Quinn said this way back in the day, the difference between a commission-only planner on one end of, this, uh, of the spectrum and a fee-only planner on the other end is that the commission-only planner, you're going to get something that maybe is 85 to 90% right, but damn, it's going to get implemented. Because that person's going to make sure you do it. Because baby needs new shoes. That's right. On the other end, you got the fee-only planner where it's 100% right, but they don't give a flying if you implement it or not. They don't care. 
you, you paid them either way. So Jane actually said, wait, wait, I'd love to take credit for this, but said back probably 1992 or three said implementation is what matters in your plan. So yes, fee only financial planner, absolutely the way to go. But if you're somebody that waffles all the time and does nothing, having more data and more information isn't going to do anything to help you get ahead. Yeah. It's going to do zero. It's the same argument as, you know, high expense ratio or low expense ratio, but either way you don't do anything. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can have the most beautifully written on resume paper financial plan, but if you're doing nothing, it sucks. I have a client who I uh, just talked to this week and he still talks about this. I barely remember it happening, but we were at dinner one time and he said, he was talking about something about his retirement plan. And I literally wrote it on a napkin because that's the bar napkin was there. He said, I still remember that conversation. And I said, well, we do a little bit better work now. <laughs> you know, we use nicer paper, you know, than bar napkins. But that's been in his mind. Like that, that number that we calculated that day, which wasn't exactly precise. It was close, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what it ended up being. But that's been stuck in his head and provided more of a motivation to him than all of the hundreds of pages of written financial plans we've done over 15 years you know, the one napkin with the one number on it. And so at the end of the day, I think it's both. You need somebody who wants to be uh, an educator, you know, that wants to help you figure this stuff out. And you also need a guy that's a little bit like Mike. That's like, get your ass off the couch. We are doing this right now, but doing it in a way that's from a perspective of, you know, this is what's in your best interest. And by gosh, by golly, we're going to get it done together. Hey, if you've got a question for OG and I, uh, we took a break today because we saw this Reddit piece and went, well, we got to talk. This is the lesson that we talk about all the time. But if you've got a question for the show, this is normally where we answer your questions. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And if you've got a phone, all you have to do, press the button once you get to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail and uh, leave us a voicemail and we can answer your question. All right. That's going to do it for today. We've got lots of people to thank and Doug's going to do the honors there for us. But if you're somebody looking for better financial planning help in your corner and you want to make the best out of 2020 into 2021, OG and his team still taking clients here for a little longer this year, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG to get on their calendar and find out how their team can interface with your team to make your financial plan better. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Need a down payment on a house? Sell your collection of whiskey bottles. It's simple. Second, take a lesson from coach Mike. Get your head in the game. It can make all the difference. But the big takeaway, get this. I give Todd a call and give him a piece of my mind that I will not be having any of that coconut shrimp. And he says, okay. Okay? What a piece of work this guy is. We want to thank Mike Rosenfeld for joining us today to share tips on how to get focused and into the flow state. You'll find Mike at CoachMikeRosenfeld.com and 
you'll find him, like us, watching the Jason Rosario fight versus Jermel Charlo on Showtime this Saturday. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Believe it or not, I saw a movie. (laughs) I had a bunch of people tell me that since uh, the basement moved here to Palm Springs, lovely Palm Springs, that I've got to watch this movie called Palm Springs, which is on Hulu. Uh, So let's listen to a little trailer and then we'll get into it. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are. Standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. Yeah, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! So when uh, Andy Samberg says that at the beginning to a guy, he's sitting in the in the swimming pool and says, uh, today, tomorrow, yesterday, it's all the same, I think, oh, he's speaking metaphorically. No, he's not. Uh, this romantic comedy stars... Kristen Milati, Andy Samberg, and of course, a hilarious, hilarious part played by J.K. Simmons. Can you say J.K. Simmons and not say that he is a hilarious part? Like he always has this quirky character that J.K. Simmons plays. They're at a wedding in Palm Springs, as you heard from that clip. And Andy Samberg's character just seems to be this boyfriend of the bridesmaid who just really doesn't care. And then you find out probably 10 minutes into the movie, why he doesn't care and what the hell's going on. And there is a uh, bunch of groundhog day stuff happening 
here that I didn't expect when I first tuned in. I'm glad that I didn't know anything about it, which is why I'm being very, very roundabout about how I talk about the movie. It's been so long since I've seen a movie. I'm afraid that the lack of movie makes me go, this is really, really good. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but, but I thought that this, I thought that this was really, really good. And the fact that I watched it on Hulu, a place where I rarely watch movies. I can't think of the last movie I watched on Hulu was even more surprising. I see here that IMDB gives it a, a rating of 7.4 on a scale of one to 10, you know, for a romantic comedy type movie. It's a pretty, pretty good rating, and I would give it a similar rating. This isn't anything that's ever going to be up for an Academy Award, but I laughed. I was in it. I wanted to see how they got out of the particular problem that they had the entire movie. So big thanks to probably five different people who told me, oh, you're going to Palm Springs? Got to watch the movie Palm Springs. Mission accomplished. Uh, go see Palm Springs. Next up on the list, by the way, the Tom Hanks World War II movie on Apple TV. I was going to say, I don't have Apple TV, so I don't know we get that. Yeah, that one's next on my list. Hopefully, we'll cover that uh, next week. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine... You can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.